So we're into week six of the Bible in a year, and we're continuing through Exodus. We're come, coming towards the end of Exodus and Exodus 28. Um, we've been going through the last couple of days in week five, have been hard going. There have been lots of standards and lots of guidance and lots of things that they're to make and building instructions and plans. And that continues for a little while. Um, but it's it's good, it's important for us to understand the detail of what God was going into with his people. Um, and so we continue from Exodus 28. And he talks here about the priests and the priesthood and what they're to wear and to do. You're to make the robe of the ephod entirely of blue yarn. There should be an opening at its top of the in the centre of it. Around their opening there should be a woven collar with an opening like that for body armour so that it does not tear. Make pomegranates of blue, purple and scarlet yarn on its lower hem and all around it. Put gold bells between them all the way around so that gold bells and pomegranates alter around the lower hem of the robe. The robe must be worn by Aaron whenever he ministers and its sound will be heard when he enters the sanctuary before the Lord and when he exits so that he does not die. You are to make a plate of pure gold and engrave it like the engraving of a seal, holy to the Lord. Fasten it to a cord of blue yarn so that it can be placed in the turban. The plate is to be on the front of the turban. It will be on Aaron's forehead so that Aaron may bear the guilt connected with the holy offerings that the Israelites consecrate as all their holy gifts. It is always to be on his forehead so that they may find acceptance with the Lord. You are to weave the tunic from fine linen, make a turban of fine linen and make an embroidered sash. Make tunics, sashes and headbands for Aaron's sons to give them glory and beauty. Put these on your brother Aaron and his sons, then anoint, ordain and consecrate them so that they may serve me as priests. Make them linen undergarments to cover their naked bodies. They must extend from the waist to the thighs. These must be worn by Aaron and his sons whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister in the sanctuary area so that they do not incur guilt and die. This is to be a permanent statute for Aaron and for his descendants after him. This is what you are to do for them, to consecrate them to serve me as priests. Take a young bull and two unblemished rams with unleavened bread unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers coated with oil. Make them out of fine wheat flour, put them in a basket, and bring them in the basket, along with the bull and the two rams. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and wash them with water. Then take the garments and clothe Aaron with the tunic, the robe for the ephod, the ephod itself, and the breastpiece. Fasten the ephod on him with its woven waistband, Put the turban on his head and place the holy diadem on the turban. Take the anointing oil, pour it on his head and anoint him. You must also bring his sons, clothe them with tunics, fasten headbands on them and tie sashes around both Aaron and his sons. The priesthood is to be theirs by a permanent statute. This is the way you will ordain Aaron and his sons. You are to bring the bull to the front of the tent of meeting and Aaron and his sons must lay their hands on the bull's head. Slaughter the bull before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Take some of the bull's blood and apply it to the horns of the altar with your finger. Then pour out all the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Take all the fat that covers the entrails, 
the fatty lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with the fat on them and burn them on the altar. But burn up the blood's flesh, its hide and its dung outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Take one ram and Aaron and his sons are to lay their hands on the ram's head. You are to slaughter the ram. Take its blood and sprinkle it on all sides of the altar. Cut the ram into pieces, wash its entrails and shanks, and place them with its head and its pieces on the altar. Then burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing aroma, a fire offering to the Lord. You are to take the second ram, and Aaron and his sons must lay their hands on the ram's head. Slaughter the ram, take some of its blood, and put it on Aaron's right earlobe, on his son's right earlobes, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. Sprinkle the remaining blood on all sides of the altar. Take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle them on Aaron and his garments, as well as on his sons and their garments. In this way, he and his garments will become holy, as well as his sons and their garments. Take the fat from the ram, the fat tail, the fat covering the entrails, the fatty lobe of the liver, the two kidneys, the fat on them, and the right thigh, since this is a ram for ordination. Take one loaf of bread, one cake of bread made with oil, and one wafer from the basket of unleavened bread that is before the Lord, and put all of them in the hands of Aaron and his sons, and wave them as a presentation offering before the Lord. Take from their hands and burn them in the altar on top of the burnt offering, as a pleasing aroma before the Lord. It is a fire offering to the Lord. Take the breast from the ram of Aaron's ordination and wave it as a presentation offering before the Lord. It is to be your portion. Consecrate for Aaron and his sons the breast of the presentation offering that is waved and the thigh of the contribution that is lifted up from the ram of ordination. This will belong to Aaron and his sons as a regular portion from the Israelites, for it is a contribution. It will be the Israelites' contribution from their fellowship sacrifices, their contribution to the Lord. The holy garments that belong to Aaron are to belong to his sons after him, so that they can be anointed and ordained in them. Any priest who is one of his sons and who succeeds him and enters the tent of meeting to minister in the sanctuary must wear them for seven days. You are to take the ram of ordination and boil its flesh in a holy place. Aaron and his sons are to eat the meat of the ram and the bread that is in the basket at the entrance to the tent of meeting. They must eat those things by which atonement was made at the time of their ordination and consecration. An unauthorized person must not eat them, for these things are holy. If any of the meat of ordination or any of the bread is left until morning, burnt up what is left over. It must not be eaten because it is holy. This is what you are to do for Aaron and his sons, based on all I, 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 all I have commanded you. Ordain them for seven days. Sacrifice a bull as a sin offering each day for atonement. Purify the altar when you make atonement for it and anoint it in order to consecrate it. For seven days you must make atonement for the altar and consecrate it. The altar will become especially holy. Whatever touches the altar will become holy. This is what you are to offer regularly on the altar every day. Two-year-old lambs. In the morning offer one lamb and at twilight offer the other lamb. With the first lamb offer two quarts of fine flour mixed with one quart of crushed olive oil and a drink offering of one quart of wine. You are to offer the second lamb at twilight 
offer a grain offering and a drink offering with it, like the one in the morning, as a pleasing aroma, a fire offering to the Lord. This will be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak with you. I will also meet with the Israelites there, and that place will be consecrated by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God, and they will know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. And then we finish day 36 in Exodus 31, 12 to 8. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbath, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, so that you will know that I am the Lord who sets you apart. Observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Whoever profanes it must be put to death. If anyone does work on it, that person must be cut off from his people. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there must be a Sabbath of complete rest dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who does work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. The Israelites must observe the Sabbath, celebrating it throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign forever between me and the Israelites, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. When he finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the testimony, stone tablets inscribed by the finger of God. And there we end, day 36. Day 37, we go from Exodus 32 through to Exodus uh, 35, uh, along with a stop off at the end in Leviticus 25. We start off 32 where Moses comes down from the mountain. When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us, because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Then Aaron replied to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from their hands, fashioned it with an engraving tool, and made it into an image of a calf. Then they said, Israel, this is your God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. Then he made an announcement. There will be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. Early the next morning they arose, offered burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink, then got up to revel. The Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once, for your people you brought up from the land of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned from the way I commanded them. They have made for themselves an image of a calf. They have bowed down to it, sacrificed to it, and said, Israel, this is your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord also said to Moses, I have seen this people, and they are indeed a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses interceded with the Lord his God. Lord, why does your anger burn against your people you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a strong hand? Why should the Egyptians say, He brought them out with an evil intent to kill them in the mountains and wipe them off the face of the earth? 
Turn from your great anger and change your mind about this disaster planned for your people. Remember that you swore to your servants Abraham, Isaac and Israel by yourself and declared to them, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and will give your offspring all this land that I have promised and they will inherit it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the disaster he said he would bring in his people. Then Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, inscribed front and back. The tablets were the work of God and the writing was God's writing, engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the sound of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, It's not the sound of a victory cry and not the sound of a cry of defeat. I hear the sound of singing. As he approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses became enraged and threw the tablets out of his hands, smashing them at the base of the mountain. Then he took the calf they also had made, burned it up and ground it to powder. He scattered the powder over the surface of the water and forced the Israelites to drink the water. Then Moses asked Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have led them into such a grave sin? Don't be enraged, my lord, Aaron replied. You yourself know that the people are intent on evil. They said to me, Make us a god who will go before us, because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I said to them, Whoever has gold, take it off, and they gave it to me. Then I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Moses saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get out of control, so that they would be vulnerable to their enemies. And Moses stood at the camp's entrance and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites gathered around him. He told them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Every man fasten his sword to his side. Go back and forth through the camp from entrance to entrance, and each of you kill his brother, his friend, and his neighbour. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and about three thousand men fell dead that day among the people. Afterwards Moses said, Today you have been dedicated to the Lord, since each man went against his son and his brother. Therefore you have brought a blessing on yourselves today. The following day Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. Now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I will be able to pay for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, this people have committed a great sin. They have made for themselves a God of gold. Now if you would only forgive their sin... But if not, please erase me from the book you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will erase from my book. Now go, lead the people to the place I told you about. See, my angel will go before you. But on the day I settle accounts, I will hold them accountable for their sin. And the Lord inflicted a plague on the people for what they did with the calf Aaron had made. The Lord spoke to Moses, Go, leave here, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land I promised to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your offspring. I will send an angel ahead of you and will drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people. Otherwise I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard this bad news, they mourned and didn't put on their jewellery. For the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, You are a stiff-necked people. If I went with you for a single moment, I would destroy you. Now take off your jewellery, and I will decide what to do with you. 
So the Israelites remained stripped of their jewellery from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses took a tent and set it up outside the camp, far away from the camp. He called it the Tent of Meeting. Anyone who wanted to consult the Lord would go to the Tent of Meeting that was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would stand up, each one at the door of his tent, so that they could watch Moses until he entered the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance to the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. As all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance to the tent, they would stand up, then bow and worship, each one at the door of his tent. The Lord spoke with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. Moses said to the Lord, Look, you have told me, lead this people up, but you will have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name, and you have also found favour in my sight. Now, if I have indeed found favour in your sight, please teach me your ways, and I will know you and find favour in your sight. Now consider that this nation is your people. Then he replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favour in your sight unless you go with us? I and your people will, will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. The Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked, for you have found favour in my sight, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Please let me see your glory. He said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the name Yahweh before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he answered, You cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. The Lord said, Here is a place near me. You are to stand on the rock, and when my glory passes by, I will put you in the crevice of the rock, and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you will see my back, but my face will not be seen. And the Lord said to Moses, Cut two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be prepared by morning. Come up Mount Sinai in the morning and stand before me on the mountain top. No one may go up with you. In fact, no one must be seen anywhere on the mountain. Even the flocks and herds are not to graze in front of the mountain. Moses cut two stone tablets like the first ones. He got up early in the morning and taking the two stone tablets in his hand, he climbed Mount Sinai just as the Lord had commanded him. The Lord came down in a cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed his name Yahweh. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving wrongdoing, rebellion and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's wrongdoings on the children and grandchildren, to the third and fourth generation. Moses immediately bowed down to the ground and worshipped. Then he said, My Lord, if I have indeed found favour in your sight, my Lord, please go with us. Even though this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wrongdoing and sin, and accept us as your own possession. And the Lord responded, Look, I am making a covenant. I will perform wonders in the presence of all your people, 
that have never been done in all the earth or in any nation. All the people you live among will see the Lord's work, for what I am doing with you is awe-inspiring. Observe what I command you today. I am going to drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with the inhabitants of the land you are going to enter, otherwise they will become a snare among you. Instead you must tear down their altars, smash their sacred pillars and chop down their Asherah poles. You are to never bow down to another god because the Lord, being jealous by nature, is a jealous god. Do not make a treaty with the inhabitants of the land, or else when they prostitute themselves with their gods and sacrifice to their gods, they will invite you and you will eat of their sacrifice. Then you will take some of their daughters as brides for your sons. Their daughters will prostitute themselves with their gods and cause your sons to prostitute themselves with their gods. Do not make cast images of gods for yourselves. Observe the festival of unleavened bread. You are to eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib as I commanded you. For you came out of Egypt in the month of Abib. The firstborn meal from every womb belongs to me, including all your male livestock, the firstborn of cattle or sheep. You must redeem the firstborn of a donkey with a sheep, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. You must redeem all the firstborn of your sons. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. You are to labour six days, but you must rest on the seventh day. You must even rest during ploughing and harvesting times. Observe the festival of weeks with the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the festival of ingathering at the turn of the agricultural year. Three times a year all your meals are to appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. For I will drive out nations before you and enlarge your territory. No one will cover your land when you go up three times a year to appear before the Lord your God. Do not present the blood for my sacrifice with anything leavened. The sacrifice of the Passover festival must not remain until morning. Bring the best first fruits of your land to the house of the Lord your God. You must not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. The Lord also said to Moses, Write down these words, for I have made a covenant with you and with Israel based on these words. Moses was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did not eat bread or drink water. He wrote down on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Then we go into Leviticus 25, 1-24. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. Speak to the Israelites and tell them, When you enter the land I am giving you, the land will observe a Sabbath to the Lord. You may sow your field for six years, and you may prune your vineyard and gather its produce for six years. But there will be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land in the seventh year, a Sabbath to the Lord. You are not to sow your field or prune your vineyard. You are not to reap what grows by itself from your crop, or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. It must be a year of complete rest for the land. Whatever the land produces during the Sabbath year can be food for you, for yourself, your male or female slave, and the hard hand or foreigner who stays with you. All of its growth may serve as food for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. You are to count seven sabbatic years, seven times seven years, so that the time period of the seven sabbatic years amounts to forty-nine. Then you are to sound a trumpet loudly in the seventh month. On the tenth day of the month, you will sound it throughout your land on the Day of Atonement. You are to consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim freedom in the land for it to all its habit inhabitants. 
it will be your jubilee when each of you is to return to his property and each of you to his clan. The fiftieth year will be your jubilee. You are not to sow, reap what grows by itself, or harvest its unintended vines. It is to be holy to you because it is the jubilee. You may only eat its produce directly from the field. In this year of jubilee, each of you will return to his property. If you make a sale to your neighbour or a purchase from him, do not cheat one another. You are to make the purchase from your neighbour based on the number of years since the last jubilee. He is to sell to you based on the number of remaining harvest years. You are to increase its price in proportion to a greater amount of years and decrease its price in proportion to a lesser amount of years. Because what he is selling to you is a number of harvests. Harvests? Harvests. You are not to cheat one another, but fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. You are to observe my statutes and ordinances and carefully observe them so that you may live securely in the land. Then the land will yield its fruit so that you can eat, be satisfied and live securely in the land. If you wonder, what will we eat in the seventh year if we don't sow or gather our produce? I will appoint my blessing for you in the sixth year so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. When you sow in the eighth year, you will be eating from the previous harvest. You will be eating this until the ninth year when its harvest comes in. The land is not to be permanently sold because it is mine, and you are only foreigners and temporary residents of my land. You are to allow the redemption of any land you occupy. There we end day 37. Day 38, and we continue going through Leviticus. Starting at Leviticus, Leviticus 25 through to 27. And we continue the further laws and redemption laws. And I'm sure I'll be interesting and reading and pronouncing some of these things, but stick with me. If your brother becomes destitute and sells part of his property, his nearest relative may come and redeem what his brother has sold. If a man has no family redeemer but he prospers and obtains enough to redeem his land, he may calculate the years since its seal, repay the balance to the man he sold it to, and return to his property. But if he cannot obtain enough to repay him, what he sold will remain in the possession of its purchaser until the year of Jubilee. It is to be released at the Jubilee, so that he may return to his property. If a man sells a residence in a walled city, his right of redemption will last until a year has passed after its seal. His right of redemption will last a year. If it is not redeemed by the end of a full year, then the house in the walled city is permanently transferred to its purchaser throughout his generations. It is not to be released on the Jubilee. But houses in villages that have no walls around them are to be classified as open fields. The right to redeem such houses stays in effect and they are to be released at the Jubilee. Concerning the, the Levitical cities, the Levites always have the right to redeem houses in the cities they possess. Whatever property one of the Levites can redeem, a house, a house sold in a city they possess, must be released at the Jubilee, because the houses in the Levitical cities are their possession among the Israelites. The open pasture land around their cities may not be sold, for it is their permanent possession. If your brother becomes destitute and cannot sustain himself among you, you are to support him as a foreigner or temporary res resident so that he can continue to live among you. Do not profit or take interest from him, but fear your God and let your brother live among you. 
You're not to lend him your silver with interest or sell him your food for profit. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. If your brother among you becomes destitute and sells himself to you, you must not force him to do slave labour. Let him stay with you as a hired hand or temporary resident. He may work for you until the year of Jubilee. Then he and his children are to be released from you, and he may return to his clan and his ancestral property. They are not to be sold as slaves because they are my slaves. I brought them out of the land of Egypt. You are not to rule over them harshly, but fear your God. Your male and female slaves are to be from the nations around you. You may purchase male and female slaves. You may also purchase them from the foreigners staying with you or from their families living among you, those born in your land. These may become your property. You may leave them to your sons after you to inherit as property. You can make them slaves for life. But concerning your brothers, the Israelites, you must not rule over one another harshly. If a foreigner or a temporary resident living among you prospers, but your brother living near him becomes destitute and sells himself to the foreigner living among you, or a member of the foreigner's clan, he has the right of redemption after he has been sold. One of his brothers may redeem him, his uncle or cousin may redeem him, or any of his close relatives from his clan may redeem him. If he prospers, he may redeem himself. The one who purchased him is to calculate the time from the year he sold himself to him until the year of Jubilee. The price of his seal will be determined by the number of years. It will be set for him like the daily wages of a hired hand. If many years are still left, he must pay his redemption price in proportion to them based on the purchase price. If only a few years remain until the year of Jubilee, he will calculate and pay the price of his redemption in proportion to his remaining years. He will stay with him like a man hired year by year. A foreign owner is not to rule over him harshly in your sight. If he is not redeemed in any of these ways, he and his children are to be released at the year of Jubilee. For the Israelites are my slaves. They are my slaves I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Do not make idols for yourselves. Set up a carved image or sacred pillar for yourselves. Or place a sculpted stone in your land to bow down to it. For I am the Lord your God. You must keep my Sabbaths and honour my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my statutes and faithfully observe my commands, I will give you rain at the right time, and the land will yield its produce, and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until sowing time. You will have plenty of food to eat and live securely in your land. I will give peace to the land, and you will lie down with nothing to frighten you. I will remove dangerous animals from the land, and no sword will pass through your land. You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will pursue one hundred, and one hundred of you will pursue ten thousand. Your enemies will fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you, make you fruitful and multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. You will eat the old grain of the previous year, and will clear out the old to make room for the new. I will place my residence among you, and I will not reject you. I will mock, mock, I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you could no longer be their slaves. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to live in freedom. 
But if you do not obey me and observe all these commands, if you reject my statutes and despise my ordinances, and do not observe all my commands, and break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will bring terror on you, wasting disease and fever that will cause your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. You will sow your seed in vain because your enemies will eat it. I will turn against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you, and you will flee even though no one is pursuing you. But if after these things you will not obey me, I will proceed to discipline you seven times for your sins. I will break down your strong pride. I will make your sky like iron and your land like bronze, and your strength will be used up for nothing. Your land will not yield its produce, and the trees of the land will not bear their fruit. If you act with hostility toward me and are unwilling to obey me, I will multiply your plague seven times for your sins. I will send wild animals against you that will deprive you of your children, ravage your livestock and reduce your numbers until your loads are deserted. If in spite of these things you do not accept my discipline, but act with hostility toward me, then I will act with hostility toward you. I will also strike you seven times for your sins. I will bring a sword against you to execute the vengeance of the covenant. Though you withdraw into your cities, I will send a pestilence among you, and you will be delivered into enemies' hands. When I cut off your supply of bread, ten women will bake your bread in a single oven and ration out your bread by weight, so that you will eat but not be satisfied. And if in spite of this you do not obey me but act with hostility toward me, I will act with furious hostility toward you. I will also discipline you seven times for your sins. You will eat the flesh of your sons, you will eat the flesh of your daughters. I will destroy your high places, cut down your incense altars, and heap your dead bodies and the lifeless bodies of your idols. I will reject you. I will reduce your cities to ruins and devastate your sanctuaries. I will not smell the pleasing aroma of your sacrifices. I will also devastate the land so that your enemies who come to live there will be appalled by it. But I will scatter you among the nations and I will draw a sword to chase after you. So your land will become desolate and your cities will become ruins. Then the land will make up for its Sabbath years during the time it lies desolate when you are in the land of your enemies. At that time the last land will rest and make up for its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it will have the rest it did not have during your Sabbaths when you lived there. I will put anxiety in the hearts of those of you who survive in the lands of their enemies. The sound of a wind-driven leaf will put them to flight, and they will flee as one flees from a sword, and fall though no one is pursuing them. They will stumble, stumble over one another as if fleeing from a sword, though no one is pursuing them. You will not be able to stand against your enemies. You will perish among the nations. The land of your enemies will devour you. Those who survive in the land of your enemies will waste away because of their sin. They will also waste away because of their father's sins along with theirs. But if they will confess their sin and the sin of their fathers, their unfaithfulness that they practiced against me, and how they acted with hostility toward me, and I acted with hostility toward them and brought them into the land of their enemies, and if their uncircumcised hearts will be humbled, and if they will pay the penalty for their sin, well, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. I will also remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. For the land abandoned by them will make up for its Sabbaths, 
by lying desolate without the people, while they pay the penalty for their sin, because they rejected my ordinances and abhorred my statutes. Yet in spite of this, while they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject or abhor them so as to destroy them and break my covenant with them, since I am the Lord their God. For their sake I will remember the covenant with their fathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt, in the sight of the nations, to be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes, ordinances, and laws the Lord established between himself and the Israelites through Moses on Mount Sinai. The Lord spoke to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and tell them, when someone makes a special vow to the Lord that involves the valuation of people, if the valuation concerns a male from 20 to 60 years old, your valuation is 50 silver shekels, measured by the standard sanctuary shekel. If the person is a female, your valuation is 30 shekels. If the person is from 5 to 20 years old, your valuation for a male is 20 shekels, and for a female is 10 shekels. If the person is from 1 month to 5 years old, your valuation for a male is 5 silver shekels, and your value for a female, your valuation is 3 shekels of silver. If the person is 60 years or more, your valuation is 15 shekels for a male and 10 shekels for a female. But if one is too poor to pay the valuation, he must present the person before the priest, and the priest will set a value for him. The priest will set a value for him according to what the one making the vow can afford. If the vow involves one of the animals that may be brought as an offering to the Lord, any of these he gives to the Lord will be holy. He may not replace it or make a substitution for it, either good for bad or bad for good. But if he does substitute one animal for another, both that animal and its substitute will be holy. If the vow involves any of the unclean animals that may not be brought as an offering to the Lord, the animal must be presented before the priest. The priest will set its value, whether high or low. The price will be set as the priest makes the valuation for you. If the one who brought it decides to redeem it, he must add a fifth to the valuation. And there we end, day 38. Day 39, beginning at Leviticus 27, uh, before moving back into Exodus and, and running through Exodus to Exodus 39. When a man consecrates his house as holy to the Lord, the priest will assess its value, whether high or low. The price will stand just as the priest assesses it, but if the one who consecrated his house redeems it, he must add a fifth to the valuation price, and it will be his. If a man consecrates to the Lord any part of a field that he possesses, your valuation will be proportional to the seed needed to sow it, at the rate of 50 silver shekels for every five bushels of barley seed. If he consecrates his field during the year of Jubilee, the price will stand according to your valuation. But if he consecrates his field after the Jubilee, the priest will calculate the price for him in proportion to the years left until the next year of Jubilee so that your valuation will be reduced. If the one who consecrated the field decides to redeem it, he must add a fifth to the valuation price, and the field will transfer back to him. But if he does not redeem the field, or if he has sold it to another man, it is no longer redeemable. When the field is released in the Jubilee, it will be holy to the Lord, like a field permanently set apart. It will become the priest's property. If a person consecrates to the Lord a field he has purchased that is not part of his inherited land holding, 
Then the priest will calculate for him the amount of the valuation up to the year of Jubilee, and the person will pay the valuation on that day as a holy offering to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field will return to the one who bought it from, the original owner. All your valuations will be measured by the standard sanctuary shekel, 20 giras to the shekel. But no one can consecrate a firstborn of the livestock, whether an animal from the herd or flock, to the Lord, because a firstborn already belongs to the Lord. If it is one of the unclean livestock, it must be ransomed according to your valuation by adding a fifth of its value to it. If it is not redeemed, it can be sold according to your valuation. Nothing that a man permanently sets apart to the Lord from all he owns, whether a person, an animal, or his inherited land holding, can be sold or redeemed. Everything set apart is especially holy to the Lord. No person who has set, been set apart for destruction is to be ransomed. He must be put to death. Every tenth of the land's produce, grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. If a man decides to redeem any part of his, this tenth, he must add one-fifth to its value. Every tenth animal from the herd or flock, which passes under the shepherd's rod, will be holy to the Lord. He is not to inspect it, whether it is good or bad, and he is not to make a substitution for it. But if he does make a substitution, both the animal and its substitute will be holy. They cannot be redeemed. These are the commands the Lord gave Moses for the Israelites on Mount Sinai. And then into Exodus 34. At Moses, at Moses, as Moses descended from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, as he descended the mountain, he did not realize that the skin of his face shone as a result of his speaking with the Lord. When Aaron and the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face shone. They were afraid to come near him. But Moses called out to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterwards all the Israelites came near, and he commanded them everything the Lord had told him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. After he came out, he would tell the Israelites what he had been commanded, and the Israelites would see that Moses' face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went to speak with the Lord. Then Moses said to the entire Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take up an offering for the Lord among you. Let everyone whose heart is willing bring this as the Lord offering. Gold, silver and bronze, blue, purple and scarlet yarn, fine linen and goat hair, ram skins dyed red and manatee skins, acaia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx with gemstones to mount in the ephod and breastpiece. Let all the skilled craftsmen among you come and make everything that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tents and coverings, its clasps and planks, its crossbars, its posts and bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil for the screen, the table with its poles, all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand for light with its utensils and lamps, as well as the oil for the light, the altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, the entryway, entry screen for the entrance to the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze grate, its poles and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, 
the hangings of the courtyard, its posts and bases, and the screen for the gate of the courtyard, the tent pegs for the tabernacle and the tent pegs for the courtyard along with their ropes, and the specially woven garments for ministering in the sanctuary, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons to serve as priests. Then the entire Israelite community left Moses' presence. Everyone whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to the Lord to construct the tent of meeting for every use and to make the holy garments. Both men and women came, all who had willing hearts, brought brooches, earrings, rings, necklaces and all kinds of gold jewellery. Everyone who waved a presentation offering of gold to the Lord. Everyone who had in his possession blue, purple or scarlet yarn, fine linen or goat hair, ram skins dyed red or manatee skins brought them. Everyone who offered a contribution of silver or bronze brought it to the Lord. Everyone who possessed a kaya wood useful for any task in the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun yarn with her hands and brought it, blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen. And all the women whose heart were moved spun the goat hair by virtue of their skill. The leaders brought onyx and gemstones to mount on the ephod and breastpiece, as well as the spice and oil for the light, for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. So the Israelites brought a freewill offering to the Lord, all the men and women whose hearts prompted them to bring something for all the work that the Lord through Moses had commanded to be done. Bezalel, Ahoyleab, and all the skilled people are to work based on everything the Lord has commanded. The Lord has given them wisdom and understanding to know how to do all the work of constructing the sanctuary. So Moses summoned Bezalel, Ohelab, and every skilled person in whose heart the Lord had placed wisdom, everyone whose heart moved him, to come to the work and do it. They took from Moses' presence all the contributions that the Israelites had brought for the task of making the sanctuary, Meanwhile, the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work for the sanctuary came one by one from the work they were doing and said to Moses, The people are bringing more than is needed for the construction of the work the Lord commanded to be done. After Moses gave an order, they sent a proclamation throughout the camp. Let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people stopped. The materials were sufficient for them to do all the work. There was more than enough. Bezalel made the Ark of Achaia wood, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide and 27 inches high. He overlaid it with pure gold inside and out and made a gold moulding all around it. He cast four gold rings for it to be in its four feet, two rings on one side and two rings on the other side. He made poles of Achaia wood and overlaid them with gold. He inserted the poles into the rings in the sides of the ark for carrying the ark. He made a mercy seat of pure gold, 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. He made two cherubim of gold. He made them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat, one cherub at one end and one cherub at the other end. He made the cherubim of one piece with the mercy seat, a cherub at each end. They had wings spread out, covering the mercy seat with their wings and facing each other, the faces of the cherubim were looking toward the mercy seat. He constructed the table of Achaia wood, 36 inches long, 18 inches wide and 27 inches high. He overlaid it with pure gold and made a gold mounting all around it. He made a 3-inch frame all around it and made a gold moulding all around its frame. He cast four gold rings for it and attached the rings to the four corners of its four legs. 
The rings were next to the frame as holders for the poles to carry the table. He made the poles for carrying the table from Achaia wood and overlaid them with gold. He also made the utensils that would be on the table out of pure gold, its plates and cups as well as its bowls and pitchers for pouring drink offerings. Then he made the lampstand out of pure hammered gold. He made it all of one piece, its base and shaft, its ornamental cups and its calyxes and petals. Six branches extended from its sides, three branches of the lampstand from one side and three branches of the lampstand from the other side. There were three cups shaped like almond blossoms, each with a calyx and petals on the first branch and three cups shaped like almond blossoms, each with a calyx and petals on the next branch. It was this way for the six branches that extended from the lampstand. On the lampstand shaft there were four cups shaped like almond blossoms with its calyxes and petals. For the six branches that extended from it, a calyx was under the first pair of branches from it, a calyx under the second pair of branches from it, and a calyx under the third pair of branches from it. Their calyxes and branches were of one piece. All of it was a single hammered piece of pure gold. He also made it seven lamps, snuffers and firepans of pure gold. He made it and all its utensils of seventy-five pounds of pure gold. All the skilled craftsmen among those doing the work made the tabernacle with ten curtains. Bezalel made them of finely spun linen, as well as blue, purple and scarlet yarn, with a design of cherubim worked into them. The length of each curtain was forty-two feet and the width of each curtain six feet. All the curtains had the same measurements. He joined five of the curtains to each other and the other five curtains he joined to each other. He made loops of blue yarn on the edge of the last curtain in the first set and did the same on the edge of the outermost curtain in the second set. He made 50 loops on the one curtain and 50 loops on the edge of the curtain in the second set so that the loops lined up with each other. He also made 50 good gold clasps and joined the curtains to each other so that the tabernacle became a single unit. There we end day 39. Day 40, as they continue to make the items for the tabernacle, in Genesis 36. He made curtains of goat hair for a tent over the tabernacle. He also made 11 of them. The length of each curtain was 45 feet and the width of each curtain 6 feet. All 11 curtains had the same measurements. He joined 5 of the curtains together and the other 6 together. He made 50 loops on the edge of the outermost curtain in the first set and 50 loops on the edge of the corresponding curtain in the second set. He made 50 bronze clasps to join the tent together as a single unit. He also made a covering for the tent from ram skins dyed red and a covering of manatee skins on top of it. He made upright planks of acaia wood for the tabernacle. The length of each plank was 15 feet and the width of each plank was 27 inches. There were two tenons connected to each other for each plank. He did the same for all the planks of the tabernacle. He made planks for the tabernacle as follows. 20 for the south side and he made 40 silver bases to put under the 20 planks. Two bases under the first plank for its two tenons and two bases under each of the following planks for their two tenons. For the second side of the tabernacle, the north side, he made 20 planks with their 40 silver bases, two bases under the first plank and two bases under each of the following ones. And for the west side of the tabernacle, he made six planks. He also made two additional planks for the two back corners of the tabernacle. They were paired together at the bottom and joined together at the top by a single ring. 
This is what he did with both of them for the two corners. So there were eight planks with their 16 silver bases, two bases under each one. He made five crossbars of acaia wood for the planks on the side of the tabernacle, five crossbars for the planks on the other side of the tabernacle, and five crossbars for those at the back of the tabernacle on the west. He made the central crossbar run through the middle of the planks from one end to the other. He overlaid them with gold and made their rings and holders for the crossbars out of gold. He also overlaid the crossbars with gold. Then he made the veil with blue, purple and scarlet yarn. And finally spun linen. He made it with a design of cherubim worked into it. For it he made four posts of acaia wood and overlaid them with gold. Their hooks were of gold and he cast four silver bases for the posts. He made a scream, scream, screen embroidered with blue, purple and scarlet yarn and finely spun linen for the entrance to the tent. Together with its five posts and their hooks, he overlaid the top of the posts with their bands with gold, but their five bases were bronze. Then we jump into Exodus 38. Bezalel constructed the altar of burnt offering from acaia wood. It was square, seven and a half feet long, and seven and a half feet wide, and was four and a half feet high. He made horns for it on its four corners. The horns were of one piece. Then he overlaid it with bronze. He made all the altar's utensils, the pots, shovels, basins, meat forks, and fire pans. He made all its utensils of bronze. He constructed for the altar a grate of bronze mesh under its ledge, halfway up from the bottom. At the four corners of the bronze grate, he cast four rings as holders for the poles. He also made the poles of acaia wood and overlaid them with bronze. Then he inserted the poles into the rings on the sides of the altar in order to carry it with them. He constructed the altar with boards so that it was hollow. He made the bronze basin and it stands from the bronze mirrors of the woman who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Then he made the courtyard. The hangings on the south side of the courtyard were of finely spun linen, 150 feet in length, including their 20 posts and 20 bronze bases. The hooks and bands of the posts were silver. The hangings of the north side were also 150 feet in length, including their 20 posts and 20 bronze bases. The hooks and bands of the posts were silver. The hangings on the west side were 75 feet in length, including their 10 posts and 10 bases. The hooks and bands of the posts were silver. The hangings in the east toward the sunrise were also 75 feet in length. The hangings on one side of the gate were 22 and a half feet, including their three posts and three bases. It was the same for the other side. The hangings were 22 and a half feet, including their three posts and three bases on both sides of the courtyard gate. All the hangings around the courtyard were of finely spun linen. The bases for the posts were bronze. The hooks and bands of the posts were silver and the plating for the tops of the posts was silver. All the posts of the courtyard were banded with silver. The screen for the gate of the courtyard was embroidered with blue, purple and scarlet yarn and finely spun linen. It was 30 feet long and like the hangings of the courtyard, seven and a half feet high. It had four posts, including their four bronze bases. Their hooks were silver and the bands as well as the plating of their tops were silver. All the tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the surrounding courtyard were bronze. He made the altar of incense out of acaia wood. It was square, 18 inches long and 18 inches wide. It was 36 inches high. Its horns were of one piece. He overlaid it, its top, 
all around its sides and its horns with pure gold. Then he made a gold moulding all around it. He made two gold rings for it under the moulding on two sides of its sides. He put these on opposite sides of it to be holders for the poles to carry it with. He made the poles of Achaia wood and overlaid them with gold. He also made the holy anointing oil and the pure, fragrant and expertly blended incense. Moses then said to the Israelites, Look, the Lord has appointed by name. This is back in Exodus 35, sorry. The Lord has appointed by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, out of the tribe of Judah. He has filled him with God's wisdom, with spirit, wisdom, understanding, and ability in every kind of craft, to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut gemstones for mounting, and to carve wood for work in every kind of artistic craft. He has also given both him and Oholiab, son of Ashimach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all the work of a gem cutter, a designer, an embroiderer in blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen, and a weaver. They can do every kind of craft and design artistic designs. And now we're back into Exodus 39. That's just a little chronological reminder. Exodus 39. They made specially woven garments for ministry in the sanctuary, and the holy garments for Aaron from the blue, purple and scarlet yarn just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Bezalel made the ephod of gold of blue, purple and scarlet yarn and a finely spun linen. They hammered out thin sheets of gold and he cut threads from them to interweave with the blue, purple and scarlet yarn and the fine linen in a skillful design. They made shoulder pieces for attaching it. It was joined together at its two edges. The artistically woven waistband that was on the ephod was of one piece with the ephod according to the same workmanship of gold, of blue, purple and scarlet yarn, and of finely spun linen, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then they mounted the onyx stones surrounded with gold filigree settings, engraved with the names of Israel's sons as a gem cutter engraves a seal. He fastened them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the Israelites, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He also made the embroidered breast piece with the same workmanship as the ephod of gold, of blue, purple and scarlet yarn, and of finely spun linen. They made the breast piece square and folded double, nine inches long and nine inches wide. They mounted four rows of gemstones on it. The first row was a row of carnelian, topaz and emerald. The second row a turquoise, a sapphire and a diamond. The third row a jacinth, an agate and an amethyst. And the fourth row a beryl, an onyx and a jasper. They were surrounded with gold filigree in their settings. The twelve stones corresponded to the names of Israel's son. Each stone was engraved like a seal with one of the names of the twelve tribes. They made braided chains of pure gold for the breastpiece. They also fashioned two gold filigree settings and two gold rings and attached the two rings to its two corners. Then they attached the two gold cords to the two gold rings on the corners of the breastpiece. They attached the other ends of the two cords to the two filigree settings and in this way attached them to the ephod's shoulder pieces in front. They made two other gold rings and put them at the two other corners of the breast piece on the edge that is next to the inner border of the ephod. They made two more gold rings and attached them to the bottom of the ephod's two shoulder pieces on its front, close to its seam above the ephod's woven waistband. 
Then they tied the breastpiece from its rings to the rings of the ephod with a cord of blue yarn, so that the breastpiece was above the ephod's waistband and did not come loose from the ephod. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made the woven robe of entirely blue yarn. There was an opening in the centre of the robe like that for body armour with a collar around it so that it would not tear. They made pomegranates of finely spun blue, purple and scarlet yarn on the lower hem of the robe. They made bells of pure gold and attached the bells between the pomegranates all around the hem of the robe between the pomegranates. A bell and a pomegranate alternating all around the lower hem of the robe. It is to be used for ministry just as the Lord commanded Moses. They made the tunics of fine woven linen for Aaron and his sons. They also made the turban and the ornate headbands of fine linen, the undergarments and the sash of finely spun linen of embroidered blue, purple and scarlet yarn. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They also made a plate, the holy diadem, out of pure gold and wrote on it an inscription like the engraving on a seal, Holy to the Lord. Then they attached a cord of blue yarn to it in order to mount it on the turban, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. There we end day 40. Day 41 and continuing some of the Levitical duties and some of the things regarding to the instructions that God gave to Moses. Moses assembled the entire Israelite community and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but on the seventh day you are to have a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest to the Lord. Anyone who does not who does work on it must be executed. I'll say that again. Anyone who does work on it must be executed. Do not light a fire in any of your homes on the Sabbath day. And then into Exodus 38. This is the inventory for the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the testimony that was recorded at Moses' command. It was the work of the Levites under the direction of Ithamar, son of Aaron the priest. Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made everything that the Lord commanded Moses. With him was Aholiab, son of Ashimach, of the tribe of Dam, a gem cutter, a designer, and an embroiderer with blue, purple, scarlet yarn, and fine linen. All the gold of the presentation offerings that was used for the project in the work in the sanctuary was 2,193 pounds, according to the sanctuary shekel. The silver from those of the community who were registered was £7,544, according to the sanctuary shekel. Two-fifths of an ounce per man, that is half a shekel according to the sanctuary shekel, from everyone 20 years old or more who had crossed over to the registered group, 603,550 men. There were £7,500 of silver used to cast the bases of the sanctuary and the bases of the veil, 100 bases from 7,500 pounds, 75 pounds for each base. With the remaining 44 pounds, he made the hooks for the posts, overlaid their tops and supplied bands for them. The bronze of the presentation offering totaled 5,310 pounds. He made with it the bases for the entrance to the tent of meeting, the bronze altar and its bronze gate, all the utensils for the altar, the bases for the surrounding courtyard, the bases for the gate of the courtyard, all the tent pegs for the tabernacle, and all the tent pegs for the surrounding courtyard. So all the work for the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, was finished. 
but Israelites did everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent with its all its furnishings, its clasps, its planks, its crossbar and its posts and bases, the covering of ram skins dyed red, and the covering of manatee skins, the veil for the screen, the ark of the testimony with its poles and the mercy seat, the table, all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the pure gold lampstand with its lamps arranged and all its utensils, as well as the oil for the light, the gold altar, the anointing oil, the fragrant incense, the screen for the entrance to the tent, the bronze altar with its bronze grate, its poles and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, the hangings of the courtyard, its posts and bases, the screen for the, for the gate of the courtyard, its rope and tent pegs, and all the equipment for the service of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and the specially woven garments for ministering in the sanctuary, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons to serve as priests. The Israelites had done all the work according to everything the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses, Moses inspected all the work they had accomplished. They had done just as the Lord commanded. Then Moses blessed them. Then we go to Numbers 10, verse 1 to 10. The Lord spoke to Moses, Make two trumpets of hammered silver to summon the community and have the camp set out. When both are sounded in long blasts, the entire community is to gather before you at the entrance to the tent of meeting. However, if one is sounded, only the leaders, the heads of Israel's clans, are to gather before you. When you sound short blasts, the camps pitched in the east are to set out. When you sound short blasts a second time, the camps pitched in the south are to set out. Short blasts are to be sounded for them to set out. When calling the assembly together, you are to sound long blasts, not short ones. The sons of Aaron, the priests, are to sound the trumpets. Your use of them is a permanent statute throughout your generations. When you enter into battle in your land against an adversary who is attacking you, sound short blasts in the trumpets, and you will be remembered before the Lord your God, and will be delivered from your enemies. You are to sound the trumpets over your burnt offerings and your fellowship sacrifices, and on your joyous occasions your appointed festivals, and the beginning of each of your months. They will serve as a reminder for you before your God. I am the Lord your God. Back in the Exodus, the Lord spoke to Moses, You are to set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. Put the ark of the testimony there, and screen off the ark with the veil. Then bring in the table and lay out its arrangement. Also bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar for incense in front of the Ark of the Testimony. Put up the screen for the entrance to the tabernacle. Position the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Assemble the surrounding courtyard and hang the screen for the gate of the courtyard. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it along with its furnishings so that it will be holy. Anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils. Consecrate the altar so that it will be especially holy. Anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate it. Then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Clothe Aaron with the holy garments. Anoint him and consecrate him so that he can serve me as a priest. Have his sons come forward and clothe them in tunics. Anoint them just as you anointed their father, so that they may also serve me as priests. 
Their anointing will serve to inaugurate a permanent priesthood for them throughout their generations. And then into Numbers 3, 3, 5 to 16. The Lord spoke to Moses, Bring the tribe of Levi near and present them to Aaron the priest to assist him. They are to perform duties for him and the entire community before the tent of meeting by attending to the service of the tabernacle. They are to take care of all the furnishings of the tent of meeting and perform duties for the Israelites by attending to the service of the tabernacle. Assign the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They have been assigned exclusively to him from the Israelites. You are to appoint Aaron and his sons to carry out their priestly responsibilities, but any unauthorized person who comes near the sanctuary must be put to death. The Lord spoke to Moses, See, I have taken the Levites from the Israelites in place of every firstborn Israelite from the room. Room? Womb. The Levites belong to me because every firstborn belongs to me. At the time I struck down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated every firstborn in Israel to myself, both man and animal. They are mine. I am the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. Register the Levites by their ancestral houses and their clans. You are to register every meal one month old or more. So Moses registered them in obedience to the Lord as he had been commanded. The Libnite clan and the Shemanite clan came from Gershom. These were the Gershonite clans. Those registered, counting every male one month old or more, numbered 7,500. The Gershonite clans camped beside the tabernacle on the west side, and the leader of the Gershonite family was Elishapha, son of Lal. The Gershonites' duties at the tent of meeting involved the tabernacle, the tent, its coverings, the screen for the entrance to the tent of meeting, the hangings in the courtyard, the screen for the entrance to the courtyard that surrounds the tabernacle and the altar, and the tent ropes, all the work relating to these. The Amronite clan, the Isherite clan, the Hebronite clan, and the Uzalite clan come from Kohath. These were the Kohathites. Counting every male one month old or more, there were 8,600 responsible for the duties of the sanctuary. The clans of the Kohathites camped on the south side of the tabernacle, and the leader of the family of the Kohathite clans was Eliphazan, son of Uzel. Their duties involved the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the sanctuary utensils that were used with these, and the screen, and all the work relating to them. The chief, chief of the Levite leaders was Eliezer, son of Aaron the priest. He had oversight of those responsible for the duties of the sanctuary. The Malite clan and the Mushite clan came from Merari. These were the Merarite clans. Those registered, counting every male one month old or more, numbered 6,200. The leader of the family of the Merite clans was Zuriel, son of Ibahal. They camped on the north side of the tabernacle. The assigned duties of the Merari's descendants involved the tabernacle's supports, crossbars, posts, bases, all its equipment and all the work related to these in addition to the posts of the surrounding courtyard with their bases, tent pegs and ropes. Moses, Aaron and his sons, who performed the duties of the sanctuary as a service on behalf of the Israelites, camped in front of the tabernacle on the east, in front of the tent of meeting towards the sunrise. Any unauthorized person who came near it was to be put to death. The total number of all the Levite meals, one month old or more, that Moses and Aaron registered by their clans at the Lord's command, 
was 22,000. And there we day, end day 41. Day 42 and continuing through uh, Numbers, chapters 3 and 4, and we'll take a little jump into Numbers chapter 8. Numbers chapter 3, the firstborn redeemed. The Lord told Moses, register every firstborn male of the Israelites, one month old or more, and list their names. You are to take the Levites for me, I am the Lord, in place of every firstborn among the Israelites, and the Levites' cattle in place of every firstborn among the Israelites' cattle. So Moses registered every firstborn among the Israelites, as the Lord commanded him. The total number of the firstborn males, one month old or more, listed by name was 22,273. The Lord spoke to Moses again, Take the Levites in place of every firstborn among the Israelites, and the Levites' cattle in place of their cattle. The Levites belong to me, I am the Lord. As the redemption price for the 273 firstborn Israelites who outnumber the Levites, collect five shekels for each person, according to the standard sanctuary shekel, 20 giras to the shekel. Give the money to Aaron and his sons as the redemption price for those who are in excess among the Israelites. So Moses collected the redemption money from those in excess of the ones redeemed by the Levites. He collected the money from the firstborn Israelites, 1,365 shekels, measured by the standard sanctuary shekel. He gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons in obedience to the Lord, just as the Lord commanded Moses. And then we jump into Numbers chapter 8. The Lord spoke to Moses, Take the Levites from among the Israelites and ceremonially cleanse them. This is what you must do to them for their purification. Sprinkle them with the purification water. Have them shave their entire bodies and wash their clothes, and so purify themselves. They are to take a young bull and its grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, and you are to take a second young bull for a sin offering. Bring the Levites before the tent of meeting, and assemble the entire Israelite community. Then present the Levites before the Lord and have the Israelites lay their hands on them. Aaron is to present the Levites before the Lord as a presentation offering from the Israelites, so that they may perform the Lord's work. Next the Levites are to lay their hands on the heads of the bulls, sacrifice one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering to the Lord, to make atonement for the Levites. You are to have the Levites stand before Aaron and his sons, and you are to present them before the Lord as a presentation offering. In this way you are to separate the Levites from the rest of the Israelites, so that the Levites will become will belong to me. After that the Levites may come to serve at the tent of meeting, once you have ceremonially cleansed them and presented them as a presentation offering. For they have been exclusively assigned to me from the Israelites, I have taken them for myself in place of all who come first from the room, the womb, every Israelite firstborn. For every firstborn among the Israelites is mine, both man and animal. I consecrated them to myself in the day I struck down every firstborn in the land of Egypt. But I have taken the Levites in place of every firstborn among the Israelites. From the Israelites I have given the Levites exclusively to Aaron and his sons, to perform the work for the Israelites at the tent of meeting and to make atonement on their behalf, so that no plague will come against the Israelites when they approach the sanctuary. Moses, Aaron and the entire Israelite community did this to the Levites. The Levites did, sorry, the Israelites did everything to them the Lord commanded Moses regarding the Levites. 
The Levites purified themselves and washed their clothes. Then Aaron presented them before the Lord as a presentation offering. Aaron also made atonement for them to ceremonially cleanse them. After that, the Levites came to do their work at the tent of meeting in the presence of Aaron and his sons. So they did to them as the Lord had commanded Moses concerning the Levites. The Lord spoke to Moses, In regard to the Levites, from twenty-five years old or more, a man enters the service in the work at the tent of the meeting. But at fifty years old he is to retire from his service in the work and no longer serve. He may assist his brothers to fulfil responsibilities at the tent of meeting, but he must not do the work. This is how you are to deal with deal with the deal with the deal with the Levite. And then back in the Numbers chapter four. Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has oversight of the lamp oil, the fragrant incense, the daily grain offering, and the anointing oil. He has oversight of the entire tabernacle and everything in it, the holy objects and their utensils. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Do not allow the Kohathite tribal clans to be wiped out from the Levites. Do this for them so that they may live and not die when they come near the most holy objects. Aaron and his sons are to go in and assign each man his task and transportation duty. The Kohathites are not to go in and look at the holy objects even for a moment or they will die. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Among the Levites take a census of the Kohathite by their clans and their ancestral houses, men from 30 years old to 50 years old, everyone who is qualified to do work at the tent of meeting. The service of the Kohathites at the tent of meeting concerns the most holy objects. Whenever the camp is about to move on, Aaron and his sons are to go in, take down the screening veil and cover the Ark of Testimony with it. They are to place over this a covering made of manatee skin, spread a solid blue cloth on top and insert its poles. They are to spread a blue cloth over the table of the presence and place the plates and cups on it, as well as the bowls and pitchers for the drink offering. The regular bread offering is to be on it. They are to spread a scarlet cloth over them, cover them with a covering made of manatee skin and insert the poles in the table. They are to take a blue cloth and cover the lampstand used for light with its lamps, snuffers and firepans, as well as its jar of oil by which they service it. Then they must place it all with its utensils inside a covering made of manatee skin and put them on the carrying frame. They are to spread a blue cloth over the gold altar, cover it with a covering made of manatee skin and insert its poles. They are to take all the serving utensils they use in the sanctuary Place them in a blue cloth, cover them with a covering made of manatee skin, and put them on a carrying frame. They are to remove the ashes from the bronze altar, spread a purple cloth over it, and place all the equipment on it that they are used in serving. The fire pans, meat forks, shovels and basins, all the equipment of the altar. They are to spread a covering made of manatee skin over it and insert its poles. Aaron and his sons are to finish covering the holy objects and all their equipment whenever the camp is to move on. The Kohathites will come and carry them, but they are not to touch the holy objects or they will die. These are the transportation duty of the Kohathites regarding the tent of meeting. The Lord then spoke to Moses, Take a census of the Gershonites also by their ancestral houses and their clans. Register men from 30 years old to 50 years old, everyone who is qualified to perform service, to do work at the tent of meeting. 
This is the service of the Gershonite clans regarding work and transportation duties. They are to transport the tabernacle curtains, the tent of meeting with its covering, and the covering made of manatee skin on top of it, the screen for the entrance to the tent of meeting, the hangings of the courtyard, the screen for the entrance at the gate of the courtyard that surrounds the tabernacle and the altar, along with their ropes and all the equipment for their service. They will carry out everything that needs to be done with these items. All the service of the Gershonites, all their transportation duties and all their other work is to be done at the command of Aaron and his sons. You are to sign to them all that they are responsible to carry. This is the service of the Gershonite clans at the tent of meeting and their duties will be under the direction of Ithamar son of Aaron the priest. As for the Merorites, you are to register them by their clans in their ancestral houses. Register men from 30 years old to 50 years old, everyone who is qualified to do the work of the tent of meeting. This is what they are responsible to carry as the whole of their service at the tent of meeting. The supports of the tabernacle, with its crossbars, posts and bases. The posts of the surrounding courtyard with their bases, tent pegs and ropes, including all their equipment and all the work related to them. You are to assign by name the items that they are responsible to carry. This is the service of the Merorite clans regarding all their work at the tent of meeting, under the direction of Ithamar son of Aaron the priest. So Moses, Aaron and the leaders of the community registered the Kohathite by their clans and their ancestral houses. Men from 30 years old to 50 years old, everyone who was qualified for work at the tent of meeting. The men registered by their clans numbered 2,750. These were the registered men of the Kohathite clans, everyone who could serve at the tent of meeting. Moses and Aaron registered them at the Lord's command through Moses. The Gershonites were registered by their clans in their ancestral houses, men from 30 years old to 50 years old, everyone who was qualified for the work at the tent of meeting. The men registered by their clans in their ancestral houses numbered 2,630. These were the registered men of the Gershonite clans. At the Lord's command, Moses and Aaron registered everyone who could serve at the tent of meeting. The men of the Merorite clans were registered by their clans in their ancestral houses. Those from 30 years old to 50 years old, everyone who was qualified for work at the tent of meeting. The men registered by their clans numbered 3,200. These were the registered men of the Merorite clans. Moses and Aaron registered them at the Lord's command through Moses. Moses, Aaron and the leaders of Israel registered all the Levites by their clans in their ancestral houses. From 30 years old to 50 years old, everyone who was qualified to do the work of serving at the tent of meeting and transporting it. Their registered men numbered 8,580. At the Lord's command they were registered under the direction of Moses, each one according to his work and transportation duty, and his assignment was as the Lord commanded Moses. And there we end, day 42. That's also the end of week six. We hope you've been enjoying it as we go along. If you have any questions, please continue to email me or feel free to email me, johnny at j-o-n-n-y at jwfraser.com, j-w-f-r-a-z-e-r.com. But hopefully you've been enjoying it. Uh, some of it is hard work at the minute as we go through the rules and the commands and all the details of what God gives to Moses. But hopefully as this story is unveiled and as we go through chronologically, you can find out a little bit more of why this happens. 
please use those questions to ask me as we go along and uh, we'll find out a bit together.